Hebrews chapter 11 tonight. Hebrews 11, as we continue our series, Believe to See, which is taken from Psalm 2713, our theme verse this year, where David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And through the course of this series, we have spent six weeks in this chapter off and on. Most recently, we considered how Abel worshipped by faith, how Enoch walked by faith, how Noah worked by faith, and how Abraham wandered by faith. For tonight, I did the best I could with another word that starts with W, but we're going to talk about how Moses was wealthy by faith. It's the best I could come up with, Shug. She's looking at me like I blew it. I'm trying the best I can, okay? I am not an alliterated guy, so anyway. We're going to talk about Moses tonight, and let's begin in Hebrews 11, and let's read verses 24 through 27. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Without going into a whole lot of detail, I want to give you what led up to verse 24. The children of Israel were in the land of Egypt. They first arrived through divine circumstances when Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery and he ended up in Egypt. And then God brought a famine upon all lands and Jacob sent his sons out to find some food, to buy some food. They go down to Egypt and there they run into Joseph again and Joseph has them move down to Egypt where Jacob and all his house were were brought there and they lived in the land there called Goshen. And everything was going well initially. But eventually there arose a Pharaoh which knew not Joseph. That Pharaoh took note of how the children of Israel were growing and multiplying and becoming stronger and stronger And he had the idea that they had to do something about this or else Israel may, when somebody comes to war against us, they may side with them and we might be defeated. So the Pharaoh enslaved them and the Bible says, the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. But the children of Israel continued to multiply. They continued to grow. So the Pharaoh, in an effort to slow their growth, issued the order to the Hebrew midwives that when the Hebrew women give birth, if she gives birth to a son, you need to cast that child into the river to be killed. We think it's bad. Imagine that. Satan probably knew we would rise up against that, so he convinced us that it would be better just to kill him in the womb. But that's another message for another time. 
Well, the Hebrew midwives, they did the best they could to disobey the order of Pharaoh. And I think you all are familiar with all this, but Moses and his parents come on the scene. And instead of killing Moses and casting him into the river, she, the mom, uh, or the parents, I can't remember now off the top of my head, but they made an ark and they placed the baby in the ark and they sent it down the river where it would pass by where Pharaoh's daughter would go and wash herself. And while in the river, she spotted this ark caught in the reeds. And she had one of the maidens who was walking down the riverside, got their attention to go and get this ark out of the reeds. And then when she opened it up, when Pharaoh's daughter opened up this ark, she saw this baby and she heard him weeping. And as the heart of most women are, whether godly or ungodly, She was moved with compassion on him. Well, as Moses was floating down the river, his sister had followed afar off, wanting to see what would happen with baby Moses. And she saw that Pharaoh's daughter had compassion on her brother. And she goes up to Pharaoh's daughter and asks, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter agreed, and Moses' sister goes and gets their mom. It's just an amazing turn of events. And Pharaoh's daughter tells Moses' mom, take this child away, nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. It's remarkable to me how all this came out, and how here's a woman who was afraid of losing her son's life, and now she's being paid to raise him. (laughs) that's just amazing how God works well she was able to nurse her child but the time came when Moses was weaned and evidently he had grown enough to where he didn't need the same kind of watch care and his mom had to present Moses back to Pharaoh's daughter Pharaoh's daughter at that point is when he became Moses she named him and the word means drawn out because he was taken out of the water. And you know that had to be bittersweet for Moses' mom to have to say goodbye to her son. Bitter in that she had to say goodbye, but sweet in that he was one that lived. And while Pharaoh's daughter was an Egyptian, and for that reason probably didn't know the Lord, I think we all could admit she was a special woman that would take a child of the Hebrews and raise him for herself. She knew immediately was a Hebrew when she opened the ark, either through circumcision or through the way he looked. And she adopted Moses, and she raised him as her own. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verses 21 and 22, And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And Moses, though he was an Hebrew, he was raised as an Egyptian. And because he was raised in Pharaoh's household, he could have lived the rest of his life enjoying the riches of Egypt and the privilege that his position would bring him. Some secular historians from antiquity time. Most modern ones don't say this as much, but those like Josephus 
and Philo record that Pharaoh's daughter who raised Moses, that she had no children of her own. And that's why she took such an interest in Moses and that it was her intent to give Moses a chance at being Pharaoh's successor one day. That's highly debated now, but that could be the case. And while I found nothing definitive to prove that, but if it is true, can you imagine what kind of man Moses must have been? We often give George Washington credit in his humility in refusing to be named King of the United States. And it was a great move of humility, amen? But if Moses had a chance to be the Pharaoh, he's equally as great a man to be able to walk away from such a chance at a position. And I reckon we'll never know for sure, but one thing for sure, no matter if he held such a position or not, Moses was part of the royal family. And he would have had a life of ease. But we see in verse 24 that when Moses had come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And the Bible says that he did that by faith. Not in rebellion. I don't think Moses did that, made that decision as a slap to his his mom, his adopted mom who raised him. And I don't even know if she was still alive at that point when he made that decision, but if she was, you know that had to hurt her very deeply. Amen. But let's not forget, this is all about Moses and his faith. Moses wanted to be identified not as an Egyptian, but as an Hebrew and one of God's people. Just think about all that was at stake in Moses' decision. It would have been far easier to remain as an Egyptian. By all worldly standards here, Moses is making a dumb decision. Look at verse 25 at what Moses was choosing. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose affliction over pleasure. Some might conclude that Moses could have done more good as in Hebrew and for the Hebrews by remaining in the royal family and trying to do the best he could with his position in the kingdom. But that's debatable given the contempt that the Egyptians had towards the Hebrews. And even if he tried this approach he would have to do so in sin. Because to some degree, he would have to have synced up, synchronized his religion with the religion of the Egyptians who were steeped in idolatry. And that whole court was living off of the fact that these false gods were the ones that were blessing them. And so even if he tried that approach, it would have been very difficult to have influence amongst such idolatry. And by identifying as a child of Abraham, he was saying no to Egypt's idolatry and yes to God. If he were to enjoy the pleasures of Egypt, he knew it would have to be sin because they were steeped in it. And to enjoy all of those pleasures in Egypt, Moses knew he would have to do so by forsaking God because they attributed their riches to their false gods. 
In addition, Moses understood all that he could have had pleasure in was only for a season. It was only temporal to this life. The Bible admits that there would have been pleasure in the life he could have lived. But Moses desired God's blessing over sinful pleasures. And I want to ask you tonight, have you ever moved by faith out of your comfort zone? Or are you just content to be nothing more for God than you are now? Have you ever moved by faith to exchange the pleasures of this life in favor of suffering the afflictions of being a child of God? Now, I don't think anybody in here is ever going to be faced with what Moses went through. I don't think anybody here is from royalty. If you are, come and see me. I'd like to get to know your your family. If you will walk with God earnestly enough, your day of decision will come. And it's very likely you're going to have more than one throughout your lifetime. Some people who never knew their pastor before their pastorate think that these men were somehow born with a Bible in their hands. And that somehow they just knew God was going to put them in the ministry. But I can tell you that didn't happen with me. I had my idea of a pleasurable life. And and please don't take any of this the wrong way, but this was not it. This is not what I envisioned as a pleasurable life. Don't misunderstand me. I love what what I'm doing. I know I'm in the will of God, and that brings me great comfort. And I've moved past everything that I'm about to tell you. Okay, I'm just going back in time and telling you where I was at. And this wasn't it. I always wanted to own land and just be left alone. That's what I wanted. that, That to me was my idea of a pleasurable life. Adrian could go into town if she wanted, but I'm going to be at the river fishing, amen? Be there with my wife and my children. Before being reassigned here in the military, I was under the impression I was not going to be used here. And I always knew that if I didn't pastor Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, I was not going to pastor somewhere else. I always knew that. I've never been called anywhere else. I've never been called. I always say this, and it's hard for people to understand, but I've not been called to be a pastor. I've been called to be the pastor of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. And I know that. And so if you were to fire me tomorrow, (laughs) I'm not not looking for a church, amen? Uh, We'll just leave it there. So I, along with my parents, and we acquired a 32-acre dream property in the beautiful Appalachian Mountains of northeast Tennessee, in the Clinch Mountains, if you're familiar with the area, right on the Clinch River. And I was going to live there the rest of my life. And I was going to help take care of my parents. Then the day came, the Air Force reassigned me here. (laughs) And over the course of the next several months here, it became apparent to me that God was, in fact, calling me here. And I had a decision to make. I would love to be able to stand up here and tell you that that was the easiest decision I've ever had to make that it was a no-brainer to make the decision to serve God. But it wasn't that simple for me. I know it should have been. But I loved my parents. I wanted nothing more than to be there for them. But I had to choose rather to be there or to be here. There was nothing sinful. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. There was nothing sinful about living in Tennessee. But it became sin 
when I knew what God's will was. Are you hearing me? It became sin because to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And I chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And if anybody here is thinking, what affliction are you talking about? Clearly, you've never been a pastor before. Let's see. Fishing every day, farming, enjoying nature, being left alone, or going through the heartache, the heartbreak of investing in people just to watch them turn on you for seemingly no reason at all. And then to have some look at you and tell you, you're of no value. You know what? Just go ahead and give me the fishing pole. And I want you to know, I'm not trying to sound special. I'm not. You know that. I'm just giving you my testimony. I only have one life. I only have one set of testimonies. But to me, that decision was everything. Have you ever been challenged that way? Has God ever laid before you a choice where you know this would be far easier, this would be more pleasurable, but deep down, I know this is God's will, and I know it's going to be more difficult, I know it's going to be harder. As many of you know, it's no fun being reproached. But look at what the Bible says about Moses in verse 26, after he chose to suffer affliction than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. The Bible says there in verse 26, it's esteeming, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. We are told that Moses esteemed. What this means is Moses did some accounting. He placed the reproach of Christ on one side of the scale, and he placed the treasures in Egypt on the other side of the scale, and by faith, He believed that bearing the reproach of Christ was worth far more than having all the riches in Egypt at His disposal to be enjoyed. What was it that made the difference? Well, it says there at the end of verse 26, for He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know what Moses did? He saw the reward. Not a reward while living this life below. This life is only for a season. But he had an eye on an eternal reward given by the Lord. Have you ever weighed the rewards? Have you ever looked at what you could have from this temporal life versus what you could have stored up in heaven? Moses preferred to be God's peculiar treasure than to treasure the riches of sinfulness. And how about you? What is worth more to you tonight? I don't know about you, but I sure want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And it was that, among other factors, which made it possible for me to choose God over my idea of a pleasurable life. Just knowing that there's a judgment day coming for all of God's children that caused me 
to serve God according to His will and to believe that that would be far more valuable for me than anything I would want to do. I looked at my four children and I said, Lord, it'll be better for them if I'm in God's will. I realize some people feel that laboring for the Lord for a reward should not be a factor. Yeah, heaven in of itself and being in the presence of God is more than enough of a reward that deserves our service regardless of if there's any more rewards at the end of this life or not. But can we just be real for a moment? And let's be biblical. Because the Bible does mention rewards. Let's not forget verse 6 of this chapter. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. There's nothing unbiblical tonight about pressing on for Christ because you have a reward day in mind. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25, Paul wrote, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Sometimes people get frustrated because they don't see a reward sooner. I've heard that so much. Well, God should have done this, and God should have done that. and We may not see our reward until the Lord returns. So don't be impatient. Well, that's a tough one, amen. Don't be impatient. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Revelation twenty two twelve says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Moses had faith in the eternal reward of God. And that caused him to see beyond the temporal pleasures of the riches and the sinfulness of this world. And it motivated him to live for God. And we too need to be driven by faith for the unseen reward to be given one day by Christ. The Lord is returning one day. And He will reward us according to what we've done while in this body, whether it's good or bad. We have a reward day awaiting. And this keeps me going on for the Lord when things don't seem to be going so well. Because I remember I'm going to give an account to God. And I'm going to have to stand before Him. And He's going to, he's going to decide whether or not what I've done for Him was for His glory or for my own glory. 
as we believe to see this year, can you see the reward? Let's suppose you look ahead tonight to Judgment Day. Is there anything waiting for you when you're judged by God? The rewards of this life, they're only temporal. I hope you're laying up treasure in heaven. Because the Bible tells us there, it'll never fade away. Everything that you want in this life and labor for that's carnal and worldly, it's not going to last. Listen to what Matthew Henry wrote. Believers may and ought to have respect to this recompense of reward. They should acquaint themselves with it, approve of it, and live in the daily and delightful expectation of it. Thus it will prove a landmark to direct their course, a lodestone to draw their hearts, a sword to conquer their enemies, a spur to quicken them to duty, and a cordial to refresh them under all the difficulties of doing and suffering work. End quote. Even Matthew Henry understood what keeps me going is there's a reward day. Now, let's close with verse 27. It says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses saw past the angry face of Pharaoh. By faith he saw the face of Christ. When you serve our God, there will be faces in this world that will hate you. But you have to see past that and you have to see God's face. Moses was more fearful of God than he was of Pharaoh. And what allowed Moses to endure was that he saw him who is invisible. By faith, Moses saw Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says? Oh, but that was the Old Testament. You don't understand. No, it's not. Bible tells me Moses saw Christ. By faith, he saw him as he was invisible to him, but he could see that. And isn't that really what believing to see is all about? It's all about him. All the sermons in this series are really all about Christ and believing to see him. And when you keep your eyes on the Lord, it'll help you to endure through the reproaches, through the persecutions, through the afflictions. It'll help you to cast off the pleasures of this world when you see the sufferings of our Christ. He went through far, far more than we'll ever go through. Amen. Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You just keep on for the Lord. You may have to suffer, but keep enduring. In our set of verses here, we see that Moses refused and forsook. He chose, he esteemed, and he saw. And ultimately, this allowed him to endure. So as we close tonight, can you see yourself in any of those areas? Maybe you still haven't refused. Maybe you still haven't forsook. Maybe the riches and the pleasures of this world are still alluring to you. May you come to the place where you realize that all this life has to offer is only temporal. 
Perhaps you've come to that conclusion, but you have yet to act upon it by choosing Christ above all others. There's still some stuff there that needs to be dealt with. You may have made that conclusion, but I want to tell you tonight, faith isn't how we feel. Faith is what we do. It's an action. Faith is demonstrated when we move. Have you esteemed? Have you, account, have you accounted the reward of God greater riches than what this world can offer you? If you consider yourself in that group, then you must keep your eyes upon the Lord. You must see Him who is invisible. That's believing to see. And what this will do is it will cause you to endure. Because the hard times will come. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul stayed with it because he wanted to finish his course with joy. And I hope you too will learn that God is worthy of your lifelong service. Lifelong. It isn't just a God get me out of this jam kind of a service. It isn't just, well, I'm going to act the part until I can get out of here. I'm talking about selling out for God to where His reward is far greater than anything you can get in this life. And of course the problem with that is we have to believe it by faith because we never see. Brother Brett, we don't know how many in the press will be there one from the press ministry will be there one day. We don't get to see the souls that may have been saved in Malawi or wherever we've sent. We don't get to see that. And it, I don't know, but maybe there's times where it's like, I, I have to think about whether or not I want to even keep going. Brother, keep going. Amen. Keep your eyes on Christ and know there are souls to be one. And you, you guys tonight, we're, we focused on the bus ministry a little bit. You may never see. You may never know. Keep with it. Stay with it. You might be reaching, who knows? It helps you to keep going. Moses esteemed and he respected, he had respect unto the recompense of the world. But I want you to understand as I, seriously, as I end this, I want you to understand that it didn't mean that life was going to be easy for Moses. Mercy, there's so many people who feel like Somehow, serving God is supposed to be easy. I want to tell you, my friend, it's not. It's wonderful. I love doing it. It's a blessing, and I thank God that I'm doing it. But there's battles along the way. There's frustrations. There's heartaches. There's things that you'll go through. There's names you'll be called. There's people that'll walk out on you, and there's all these things. But you just got to keep pressing on and keep pressing on. You say, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere with my kids. I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall. You keep pressing on. You keep going on. You endure as seeing Christ who is invisible. You say, I don't think I can make it through this situation. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to pay our bills. I don't know how we're going to put food on the table. You trust God. You keep your eye on Him. And He says, I'll provide for you. The recompense. Listen, His reward is far greater. You can sell out for the devil and you can do all those things and, and you can live your life on easy street, but you won't have peace. 
You won't have joy. You won't have the blessings of God upon your life. And until you experience those things for yourself, you may not understand what I'm trying to tell you tonight. It wasn't, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Moses led the largest earthly called out assembly ever in history. Probably two, three million people. A bunch of gripers and stiff-necked and hard hearts wanted to kill him and wanted to kill his right-hand man and wanted to kill Caleb as well. Sorry, Caleb, it's your outfit. (laughs) And yet, he pressed on and he endured and, and Moses got frustrated. He did some things in anger that forfeited his right to go into the land and all kinds of things we could get into and I'm trying to move on. I'm just trying to communicate to you. It's, there's heartache, it's hard. But listen, I don't care. Life's hard. I don't care what, where you're at because eventually the life of the devil is going to catch up with you. Life's hard. So it wasn't going to be easy. And it wasn't very easy for Moses to have to endure all that he did after he made that decision. He took matters in his own hands. He kills the Egyptian. He ends up on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And then the next 40 years of his life, his golden years, amen, seniors, from 80 to 120, he's out there leading a people that could care less he's there. But he endured. Because he saw him who was invisible. He saw judgment day. He saw the reward. Do you have respect unto the recompense of the reward tonight? Will our Lord be pleased with you on judgment day? I hope you can see the reward by faith tonight. Let's pray.